إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد so last week then we got to the section where the author had mentioned there are two methods of replying to these doubts. There are two affairs to bear in mind. And he had said, Jawabu ahlil batil min tariqain. The response to the people of falsehood is from two angles, mujmal wa mufassal. The generalized method, the broad method, and then the more detailed method. Broadly, he had mentioned, أَمَّا الْمُجْمَلِ فَهُوَ الْأَمْرُ الْعَظِيمِ وَالْفَائِدَةُ الْكَبِيرَةِ لِمَنْ عَقَلَهَا So that general method is a great affair. And it is a great benefit for the one who comprehends it. And then he had mentioned regarding the muhkamat and the mutashabihat and how the people of innovation, the people of deviation, they take the mutashabih and do not return it back to the muhkam. And therefore, they use it upon their interpretations. And had they returned it back to the muhkam, the clear-cut evidences, then it would have become clear what the meaning of those texts is that they are attempting to use. And there were more details, but we covered that last time. Today then we move on. And as for the detailed response, the detailed response. فَإِنَّ أَعْدَاءَ اللَّهِ لَهُمْ اِعْتِرَاضَاتٌ كَثِيرَةٌ عَلَى دِينِ الرُّسُلِ The enemies of Islam, they have many objections against the messengers or against the religion of the messengers. They have many objections many issues, many affairs that they bring up against the religion of the messengers. And they turn the people away and block the people away from it, from the religion of the messengers. Minha qawluhum from these objections of theirs and these claims of theirs against the religion of the messengers is نَحْنُ لَا نُشْرِكُ And this is the first claim. Their first claim or the first doubt is that they say we do not commit shirk alongside Allah. They say we do not commit shirk alongside Allah. بَلْ نَشْهَدُ أَنَّهُ لَا يَخْلُقُ وَلَا يَرْزُقُ وَلَا يَنْفَعُ وَلَا يَضُرُ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ They say rather we testify that there is no one who creates or provides or benefits or harms except Allah. He alone without any partners. So their first claim is that we are not committing shirk in the first place. We are not committing shirk in the first place. We testify that there is no creator except Allah and there is no provider 
The one who gives the rizq, except Allah. And there is no one who can benefit, no harm, except Allah. They say, we testify to all of those things to Allah alone, without any partners. وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ لَا يَمْلِكُ لِنَفْسِهِ نَفْعًا وَلَا ضَرًّا And that the Prophet ﷺ does not control for himself any harm or benefit فَضْلًا عَنْ عَبْدِ الْقَادِرِ أَوْ غَيْرِهِ Let alone Abdul Qadir Al-Jailani or other than him. Walakin ana muznibun wasalihuna lahum jahun indallah wa atlubu minallahi bihim. But then they say that I am a sinner. They say, but I am a sinner and the righteous ones, they have status with Allah. So I seek from Allah via them, that's it. So they say in their first doubt that basically you cannot label us as committing shirk because we aren't committing shirk in the first place. How can you say we're committing shirk and we testify that Allah is the creator and we testify that Allah is the provider and we testify that Allah alone is the one who can bring good and, and benefit and Allah alone is the one who can bring harm. We testify that only Allah can do all of those affairs, He alone. And we testify that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam does not control for himself any good, any good or any harm. Let alone Abdul Qadir. They say even the messenger we say does not control that for himself. So we, upon all of this testification we're giving you, we are not committing shirk with Allah in the first place. We are testifying to all of those things, but it's just that we are weak, we are sinners, and so we call upon Allah or we seek from Allah via the righteous who are better than us and superior to us and have status with Allah. We call upon Allah via them to give us more opportunity and chance for our supplications to be answered, to give us more of an opportunity and chance for us to gain what we seek from Allah, to go through the righteous ones that have status with Allah. Because we are sinners, we are wrongdoers, us trying to call upon Allah, it's not going to bring us the same level of benefit as opposed to going through the righteous who have status with Allah. That's all. Otherwise we testify Allah is the creator, the provider, and Muhammad does not control any harm or good. We testify to all that, so we're not committing shirk anyway. This is their first doubt. Their first doubt is basically what then? Who can summarize their first doubt? Mm. Could you say that they hold that making the art isn't a form of worship? Something else. How could you summarize what they've just said? They have affirmed for themselves Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. They've affirmed al-Rububiyyah. And by means of that, they think, khalas, we can't be committing shirk. We are upon Tawheed. But what is the Tawheed that they have described they are upon? Al-Rububiyyah. 
that we believe there is no creator, no provider, no one who can harm or benefit except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is all an affirmation of Ar-Rububiyyah. And by means of this affirmation of Ar-Rububiyyah, they thought they are upon Tawheed. They are clear. They believe Allah is the creator alone. Allah is the provider alone. Allah is the one who benefits and harms alone. And that Muhammad doesn't control anything for himself. They thought upon this, we are clear, we are upon Tawheed. And so calling upon Allah via the righteous, that small thing isn't shirk. All of this testification we've given you, that small thing isn't shirk then. You can't say we're committing shirk with all of this shahada that we're giving you. So then the Shaykh says, the answer to that, فَجَاوِبْهُ بِمَا تَقَدَّمَ Answer this person with that which has already preceded. We've already explained this concept before, that you cannot just claim a rububiyyah and enter into Islam with it, and claim that all of that is Tawheed. Rather there is more, and that is Al-Uluhiyyah, the Prophets and Messengers, those who opposed them, never opposed them upon Ar-Rububiyyah. That isn't the issue. The issue that they opposed them upon was Al-Uluhiyyah. So the first thing he says, جَاوِبْهُ بِمَا تَقَدَّمَ Clarify to him all of that which has preceded regarding Tawheed, regarding how Ar-Rububiyyah, you cannot restrict yourself just upon that. Even the Mushrikun used to acknowledge that. Rather it is Al-Uluhiyyah. So he says, فَجَاوِبْهُ بِمَا تَقَدَّمَ Answer him with that which has preceded. وَهُوَ And that is, أَنَّ الَّذِينَ قَاتَلَهُمْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ مُقِرُّونَ بِمَا ذَكَرْتَ Tell him that those whom the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fought against, they used to acknowledge Ar-Rububiyyah. They used to acknowledge all of these things that you are now acknowledging. Even the Mushrikun acknowledged all of these things. And yet the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam still fought against them. وَمُقِرُّونَ أَنَّ أَوْثَانَهُمْ لَا تُدَبِّرُ شَيْئًا And even they used to admit and accept and acknowledge that their idols don't dispose of the affairs. Their idols are not in control of the affairs. Even they used to admit that too. وَإِنَّمَا أَرَادُوا But what they desired with the action that they used to do was الْجَاهَ وَالشَّفَاعَ That they wanted exactly how they are saying now. They wanted from their idols and statues to gain closeness to Allah as they claimed because these idols and statues in their view had status and elevation with Allah. So they wanted that status to help them and they wanted the intercession of them to help them, which is exactly what this person has now claimed. Exactly the claim that this person is making is what the mushrikun were upon. They wanted al-jaha wa shafa'ah. وَقْرَأْ عَلَيْهِ مَا ذَكَرَ اللَّهُ فِي كِتَابِهِ And read upon him, recite upon him, that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made clear in his book. What is the intention of the shaykh there? Recite upon them that which Allah has made clear in his book. What is the intention of the shaykh there? The muhkamat of what topic though? 
all the ayat in the Quran highlighting that the Mushrikun affirmed exactly what he is saying he affirms right now. The Rububiyya, the affairs of the Rububiyya, the Mushrikun affirmed them, acknowledged them. How do we know that? It's in the Quran. So he says, وَقْرَأْ عَلَيْهِ مَا ذَكَرَ اللَّهِ فِي كِتَابِهِ وَوَضَّحَهُ And recite upon him then, what Allah has informed us or mentioned in the Quran, in his book, and what Allah has clarified. So there are examples of that. The Shaykh, he mentions them, the explanation, Ali Shaykh, Rahimahullah, فَمِنَ الْآيَاتِ الدَّالَّةِ عَلَىٰ إِقْرَارِهِمْ بِالرُّبُوبِيَّةِ From the ayat which indicate that they acknowledged الرُّبُوبِيَّةِ For example, Surah Yunus 31 Yunus 31 قُلْ مَنْ يَرْزُقُكُمْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ أَمَّنْ يَمْلِكُ السَّمَعَ وَالْأَبْصَارِ Say to them, who sustains you, who provides for you from the heavens and the earth? And who is it that controls your hearing and seeing? وَمَنْ يُخْرِجُ الْحَيَّ مِنَ الْمَيِّتِ وَيُخْرِجُ الْمَيِّتَ مِنَ الْحَيِّ And who is the one that brings out the life from the dead and the dead from the life? وَمَنْ يُدَبِّرُ الْأَمْرِ and who is the one who disposes of the affairs? فَسَيَقُولُونَ And so they will say, Allah! فَسَيَقُولُونَ Allah! So they will say, فَسَيَقُولُونَ Allah! Allah! They will say, Allah does all of that. The mushrikun! They will say, Allah does all of that. فَقُلْ أَفَلَا تَتَّقُونَ so then in the Quran it says, so say to them, do you not then fear? Will you not, will you not then have taqwa? Will you not have fear of Allah? Fear the punishment of Allah? That you acknowledge only Allah does all of those affairs and yet you still go and worship others besides Him or call upon others besides Him, make dua and supplicate to others besides Him? Similarly, قوله تعالى قل لمن الأرض ومن فيها إن كنتم تعلمون in this section from سورة المؤمنون 84 to 89 سورة المؤمنون 84 to 89 in that section again it goes on to mention regarding who is the one who uh, uh, the earth belongs to him and everything within it, if indeed you know. And it continues to mention other affairs of the Rububiya of Allah, and it continues to mention their acknowledgement of it. Also another example, Surah Luqman 25. Surah Luqman 25. وَلَئِنْ سَأَلْتَهُمْ مَنْ خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَيَقُولُنَّ اللَّهِ if you were to ask them who created the heavens and the earth, they will say, certainly, Allah. They will say, certainly it is Allah. And also Surah Al-Ankabut 61, if you were to ask them who created the heavens and the earth and created the sun and the moon, they will say, certainly Allah. So all of these ayat, they are an indication and more of how the mushrikun acknowledged al-rububiyyah. They acknowledged that Allah is the creator and provider and sustainer and the giver of life and death. They testified to all that, and yet they were fought against as disbelievers, despite their testimony to all of that. So how can that be, and what does that indicate? That Tawheed is not restricted to just Ar-Rububiyyah. It is far greater than that. 
And that's why we say Ar-Rububiyyah Tastalzimu Al-Uluhiyyah Ar-Rububiyyah Necessitates Al-Uluhiyyah If you believe and you testify that only Allah is the creator, the provider, the sustainer, then you surely should only worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How can you testify only Allah is the creator, provider, sustainer, etc. And yet go and worship others who you know are not creators and providers and sustainers. So this is a refutation of them. And so the Shaykh says, recite upon, upon them this, uh, these ayat of the Qur'an. فَإِنْ But then if he says, if that person then says, and this is now the second doubt. The first doubt is very easy. He's basically saying, you can't call me a mushrik because I testify to all these things. But all the things that he's testifying to are only Ar-Rububiyyah. So you can easily clarify to him, Ar-Rububiyyah alone isn't enough. And there are ayat in the Quran proving Ar-Rububiyyah isn't enough. And that the Mushrikun even acknowledged that. And they were still declared kuffar and fought against. So all of these things you're claiming you testify to, that isn't enough. That isn't Tawheed alone. So that's easy enough. Then, فَإِنْ قَالْ But then if he says, هَؤُلَاءِ الْآيَاتُ نَزَلَتْ فِي مَنْ يَعْبُدُ الْأَصْنَامِ كَيْفَ تَجْعَلُونَ الصَّالِحِينَ مِثْلَ الْأَصْنَامِ أَمْ كَيْفَ تَجْعَلُونَ الْأَنْبِيَاءَ أَصْنَامًا So then if he says, هَؤُلَاءِ الْآيَاتِ الْآيَات is the plural of the word, Ayatun. And if you have an irrational plural in Arabic, you're supposed to use singular feminine words with it. But here it uses ha'ulai, which is supposed to be for the aqil. Correct? So what's happened there? Bonus points homework for anybody who wants to go and research it. You won't find it in the Medina books. هَؤُلَاءِ الْآيَاتُ نَزَلَتْ فِي مَنْ يَعْبُدُ الْأَصْنَامِ The second doubt they will say, these ayat, so now you've quoted those ayat to him, and you've clarified his first doubt very easily. But then he says, these ayat, these ayat that you're referring to, and you've recited upon me, they were revealed in relation to those who used to worship idols. Because the mushrikun at the time of the Prophet ﷺ used to worship idols. They say, look, these ayat were revealed about those mushrikun, and those mushrikun used to worship idols, statues and idols. These ayat were revealed about those mushrikun who worship idols and statues. How can you now implement these ayat upon them, upon us as they are now talking in this dialogue? How can you implement these ayat upon us, they will say? And we are basically calling upon a salihin. How can you make a comparison between the salihin, the righteous and the idols? Those mushrikun were calling upon idols. We go to the graves of the righteous and the salihin. How are you comparing the righteous and the salihin to the idols? Those mushrikun called upon idols. We are calling upon salihun. Are you making a comparison between the salihun and the idols? That you're trying to implement those ayat upon us? The same ayat that were actually revealed about mushrikun worshipping Idols, we don't worship idols. We go to the graves of the Salihun. So are you, they will say as a doubt, are you trying to implement these ayat in a way that equalizes, that makes equal between statues and idols and Salihun? 
You trying to implement the ayat out of context, they will say. Or they will even go further and say, Am asnama? How are you making prophets as idols? Because they go and call upon the graves of prophets. They say those ayat were about the mushrikun at that time who used to worship statues and idols. How are you trying to implement those ayat upon us and reciting those ayat upon us? And we go to the salihun and the prophets out of context. You can't implement those ayat here. That's their second doubt. That is their second doubt. And a shaykh Al-Shaykh in the explanation says, وَمِن شَأْنِ أَهْلِ الْبَاطِلِ وَأَشْبَاهِهِمْ نِسْبَتُهُمْ مَنْ نَزَّلَ صَالِحِينَ مَنَازِلَهُمْ أَنْ يَقُولُوا تَنْقِصُوهُمْ وَتَنْقِصُوهُمْ وَهَضْمُوهُمْ وَتَنَقَّصُوهُمْ وَهَضْمُوهُمْ Meaning, they will say to you, you are basically degrading degrading the status of the Salihun and the Anbiya by implementing ayat in this context of the Salihun and the Anbiya, ayat which were actually revealed in the context of statues and idols. Look at how you degrade the Salihun. Look at how you degrade the Anbiya that you're implementing those ayat of the Mushrikun upon us. So this is their second doubt. So how do you reply to this doubt? فَجَاوِبُهُ بِمَا تَقَدَّمْ He says once again, Reply to them with that which has preceded. Reply to them with that which has preceded. فَإِنَّهُ إِذَا أَقَرَّ أَنَّ الْكُفَّارَ يَشْهَدُونَ بالربوبية كلها لله وأنهم ما أرادوا ممن قصدوا إلا الشفاعة ولكن أراد أن يفرق بين فعلهم وفعله بما ذكر So then reply to him in the same way as before to begin with and that is to establish the principle to him that you testify to all of these affairs of a rububiyyah just as they did and we've clarified that and now you say that there is a difference between you and them and those evidences can't be applied to you but ultimately what are you doing you are seeking intercession and status to bring you closer to allah with whoever it is you're doing that with, and what were they seeking? Status and intercession to bring them closer to Allah with whatever they were doing it with. Ultimately, therefore, there is no difference in your action and their action. No matter how you claim you're doing your action now, it's the prophets and the salihun and their graves, your action is the same as their action. Even if we accept and we don't, and we're going to get to that later. But let's imagine we accepted those mushrikun only worshipped statues and idols. And you go to the Anbiya, the Prophets and the Salihun. Even so, your ultimate action is the same as their action. So that's the first thing. You can't differentiate between your action and theirs. By trying to give the example of Prophets and Salihun, and that they were on idols and statues, it doesn't differentiate between the actual nature of the action. Your action is the same as their action. And also, you can then further elaborate and completely finish this doubt of his by explaining to him, explaining to him what? The easiest explanation of this doubt of his is that there's no difference between you and ones who worship the idols. That's what we said already now, though. But what is another easy explanation? They are saying 
We call upon prophets and righteous people. They called upon idols and statues. You can't implement those ayat here. So that means that the mushrikun at that time were not restricted to just idols and statues in the first place. His doubt is incorrect in the first place. His doubt is not valid in the first place. He has used information in his doubt which is not factual. By saying they used to call upon idols and statues, we go to prophets and messengers and righteous people. As though the mushrikun only went to statues and idols. Rather, the mushrikun had multiple different deities they went to, including prophets and messengers and the righteous, including that exactly as you do now. So you can highlight to him your actual claim doesn't hold up in the first place. And this is sometimes you notice it, especially with a Sheikh Al Albani. When you listen to some of his cassettes, sometimes a person rings him and says, Sheikh, I've got a question. Fadl, what's your question? The guy gives his question. Many times you hear the Sheikh say, Okay, let me just correct your question for you first, and then I'll give you the answer. Let me fix your question. Let me fix your question for you that you got wrong. You got your question wrong, let alone the answer coming for you now. You got your question wrong, let me fix that first, then I'll give you the answer. Many times, and many times you hear them when somebody is ringing the Shaykh and he's saying, Shaykh, but what about X, Y, and Z? And the Shaykh will say to him, okay, but wait, listen. You're basically saying, and then the Shaykh explains it to him, and he says, naam, that's it, Shaykh. Yeah, that's it, yeah, yeah. So then the Shaykh answers him. And sometimes in some of the cassettes, you hear the Shaykh saying, okay, so you're saying X, Y, and Z after some lengthy explanation from the questioner. Sheikh says, basically you're saying X, Y, and Z, and you want the answer to this and that. And the person eventually says, well, yeah, yeah, that's it, yes, yes. So then in some of the cassettes, the Sheikh will say, well then say so then. What's all this lengthy, this, that, the other? Qul na'am. And then so then the Sheikh explains to him. So here, he says, that you can explain to them the very basis of your statement is incorrect. The example you're using is incorrect. They were not restricted to idols and statues. The kuffar at that time, some of them used to worship the idols. And there were from amongst them some who called upon the awliya, just as they do now. They called upon the awliya, some of them, the ones whom Allah said regarding those whom. They are calling upon those whom the mushrikun are calling upon. Those ones themselves are seeking a means of closeness to Allah for themselves. Let alone get it for these others calling upon them. Those whom the mushrikun are calling upon, they for themselves are seeking closeness to Allah. Let alone helping these others calling upon them. In the tafsir of this ayah, there are two main tafsirs. Who knows what the two main tafsirs of this ayah are? Those whom they call upon, they themselves are seeking closeness to Allah, let alone anyone else calling upon them. Who are the ones calling and who are the ones being called upon seeking closeness to Allah? That's half an answer. The mushrikun were calling upon those who were calling upon Allah. But the question is, who were the ones who were calling upon Allah? The first part is right. In one tafsir, it refers to the mushrikun calling upon who? The dead. Isa, 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 Isa is one tafsir. 
One tafsir of this ayah is in relation to those people, those mushrikun, who were calling upon Isa alayhi salam. So meaning those whom they call upon, who the mushrikun call upon, they themselves are seeking closeness to Allah. Isa alayhi salam himself is a servant of Allah seeking closeness to Allah. And they the mushrikun are calling upon him. What's the other tafsir of this ayah? Another possible tafsir some of the scholars gave. The jinn. That there used to be a group of the jinn, non-Muslims, and some of the mushrikun used to call upon them. They used to call upon them, upon the jinn, the shayateen of the jinn. But then those jinn actually ended up later on becoming Muslim. They ended up becoming Muslim later on that group of jinn. But the mushrikun continued calling upon them. So then the ayah becomes applicable. Those whom they call upon, they are seeking closeness to Allah themselves. The mushrikun, they were calling upon those jinn who had become Muslims. So now they were seeking for themselves closeness to Allah. Forget about those calling upon them. So that is two possible explanations. One other key point from this ayah, it says those, Isa alayhi salam, the Muslims of the jinn, they are seeking, يَبْتَهُونَ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ to their Lord, الْوَسِيلَ They are seeking a wasila to Allah. They are seeking a wasila to Allah. The mushrikun say that ayah is a proof. We are seeking a wasila to Allah. They say, okay, go on then, I'll accept your tafsir. We'll add a doubt to part B here. They may say to you, okay, we'll accept that tafsir. But in the tafsir, it says those righteous people or the, the Muslims of the jinn or Isa, whoever the righteous are, they were seeking a wasila to Allah in the ayah. We are doing exactly that too. We are seeking a wasila to Allah. So how are you going to reply to that? Go ahead. What's the answer then? It's not the same wasila that they're talking about. So what is it then? The correct wasila. Explain what? Um, the they say the ayah says they were seeking a wasila to Allah. We are seeking a wasila to Allah. What are you going to say to them? So it's about the type of wasila. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he mentioned there are two types of wasila. One of them you must accept. If you don't, it's kufr. The other one you must reject. If you don't, it's kufr. Two types of wasila ibn Taymiyyah mentioned. One of them you must accept. If you don't accept it, it's kufr. The other one, you must reject. If you don't reject it, it's kufr. What's the type of wasila you must accept? This is actually a very specific example. We'll come to the general explanation in a minute. The prophets and messengers. Ibn Taymiyyah was talking about the prophets and messengers. How are they a wasila? Before that. They are a wasila, the prophets and messengers, because the wahi, the revelation, didn't come to every single one of us individually. It came to the prophets and messengers, and from them it spread out to the people. So the means through which the revelation came to the people is the, are the prophets and messengers. They are a wasila in that way. That the revelation came to them, then from them it came to everybody else. So the prophets and messengers were the means for that revelation to come to us. Ibn Taymiyyah says that's the one you have to accept. Of course, if you reject the prophets and messengers, kufr. The other type that you must reject, and if you don't reject it, it's kufr, is this wasila of the mushrikun. 
that they call upon the dead, they call upon the deceased, they call upon the graves, they call upon whatever it might be, claiming they are seeking closeness to Allah via it, that all of this is the false rejected wasila. If you believe in that and you don't reject it, then it's kufr. So here, the meaning of the ayah that they themselves are seeking wasila, the scholars have explained the meaning of that is ibadah. They are seeking a means of closeness to Allah. How? Through worship, through ibadah. That is your wasila to Allah. That is your means to Allah. By performing your worship, your prayers, your ibadah, that is your wasila to Allah. So they were seeking a wasila to Allah, meaning they were performing their worship and their obedience and their righteousness. That was their wasila to gaining closeness to Allah. Not this interpretation the people have brought about that the wasila is calling upon the dead. And this is where you can now go back to the principles. You can say, okay, let's put this ayah into the context of 10 other ayahs of the Quran. All 10 others will highlight to you that it's shirk to call upon the dead and it's tawheed to call upon Allah. So how are you going to try and tell me this one word in this ayah actually means the opposite of everything else in the Quran and the opposite of everything else in the Sunnah. Rather there is no contradiction in any of the Quran or the Sunnah. So again that would be highlighted and clarified very easily. So that ayah, the reason why the Shaykh mentioned it here, it was to highlight that the Mushrikun didn't just call upon idols and statues, they called upon the righteous and the awliya of Allah and the salihun and the anbiya, they called upon them too. وَيَدْعُونَ عِيسَى بْنَ مَرْيَمَ وَأُمَّهُ And they used to call upon Isa السلام, and his mother, which may indicate to you that Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, viewed the tafsir of the ayah to mean the jinn. Because he's then gone on to mention specifically Isa السلام, and that example later, which maybe means he was upon the opinion of the tafsir of the jinn, maybe. But then he says anyway, وَيَدْعُونَ عِيسَى بِنَ مَرْيَمَ وَأُمَّهُ And they call upon Isa السلام, And in fact, before we forget, that ayah has a third tafsir as well. It's mentioned here. Uzair. That some of them, they used to call upon Uzair. Some of the sects of the Jews believe Uzair is the son of Allah, the son of God. And so it's mentioned that some of them, they used to believe that. And this is a, a tafsir which is given by some of the scholars also. Regarding Isa alayhi salam then, مَلْ مَسِيحُ بْنُ مَرْيَمَ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرُّسُلُ وَأُمُّهُ صِدِّيقَةٌ كَانَا يَأْكُلَانِ الطَّعَامِ انظر كيف نبين لهم الآيات ثم انظر أنا يؤفكون قل أتعبدون من دون الله ما لا يملك لكم ضرا ولا نفعا والله هو السميع العليم So then he quotes this ayah uh, regarding Isa عليه السلام uh, regarding Isa عليه السلام and his mother and that uh, he was a messenger, just as other messengers came before him, he and his mother, and it mentions regarding how they were human and they ate, and so they were in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they were servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they were in need of their creator, and so they were not in control of harm or benefit, they were not in control of giving this intercession to those calling upon them. So say, are you worshipping those besides Allah who do not control for you any harm or good? Allah is the one who is all hearing and all seeing. 
That ayah is a question. قُلْ أَتَعْبُدُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَمْلِكُ لَكُمْ ضَرًّا وَلَا نَفْعًا There are these ayat in the Qur'an that are like questions. But the scholars, they mention these questions have different meanings to them. Obviously, it is not a question as in an actual question. It's not being asked, is that what you do? It's known, of course, what they do. So it isn't a question in terms of just being a question to find out an answer. There is a different reason for it. Sometimes they can be questions for, often in fact, they are questions for istinkar, for rejection and rebuttal. Many of these questions in the Qur'an are there as a rejection, refutation, rebuttal, rebuke upon the one you're questioning. It's like when you say to a child, didn't I tell you not to do this? Did you tell the child not to do that or not? You did. Do you know that you told the child not to do that or not? Obviously. You're not saying to him, didn't I tell you not to do this? Meaning, did I tell you or not? You're not meaning that. When you say to a child, did I not tell you not to do this? You've asked him a question. But the purpose of your questioning phrase there is to rebuke him. Didn't I tell you not to do this? It's a rebuke. And so many times in the Quran, the scholars of tafsir, they say, these types of ayat, they are questions not for the sake of a question, but they are questions as a rebuke, istinkar, upon them. So here, قُلْ أَتَعْبُدُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَمْلِكُ لَكُمْ ضَرًّا وَلَا نَفْعًا Do you worship besides Allah? That which cannot control for you any harm or good? It's a rebuke in the form of a question. Wallahu huwa samiul alim. Allah is the all-hearing and the all-knowledgeable. We'll uh, make a mark at that section there. Any questions up to there? Yeah, there was a, in one tafsir, Isa alayhi salam. Isa alayhi salam obviously worships Allah, is seeking closeness to Allah, is a servant of Allah, fears Allah. And yet they, the mushrikun, were calling upon him. They were calling upon him, and he is innocent of them calling upon him. He himself is worshipping Allah, seeking closeness to Allah. Same with Uzair, same explanation. Same with those jinn who became Muslims. Once they became Muslims, now they are upon fear for themselves, seeking closeness to Allah with worship and obedience. And those mushrikun are calling upon them. Mm. So can you say, like, the worshiping the righteous, and the only reason they become righteous is because they worship Allah. So you're not even following your so-called... <laughs> that they are calling upon righteous people and so they aren't really following the example of the righteous people. They were righteous people and they called to Allah in the worship of Allah. These people are now calling upon them, so they aren't following the example that the righteous people actually taught them. Correct? Anybody else? The virtue of this person, you know, dua in the topic of dua and asking other people to make dua for you, and the concept of dua in of itself, in and of itself, it is ibadah. Asking other people, there's a topic within that whether you should ask other people or not, and when and how. And then in your dua, you're allowed to do tawassul. You're allowed to do tawassul in your dua, meaning that you can use examples of righteousness in your dua. And the, and the evidence for that is the people of the cave, when they mention their righteous deeds in making their dua to Allah, that is one of the means of tawassul in your dua. Another means of tawassul in your dua is by mentioning 
the names and attributes of Allah in your dua, O Ar-Rahman, O calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with these names and attributes. But the jah of a person, that I'm not aware of. And that, it's not something which is understood that you would ever say, by the virtue of such and such, O oh Allah, I ask you for this or that. That would not be something which is within this fold. The tawassul in the dua with your righteous deeds, by calling upon the names and attributes of Allah, but not by the virtue of this person or by the virtue of that person. And even that topic, it would be one of those topics where it requires a detailed breakdown because imagine you gave a, a, a loose answer to that, a general answer to that. The people are going to go end up by the virtue of a sheikh such and such. And by the virtue of a sheikh this and of a sheikh that, and all these mashaykh here, by the virtue of brother such and such, you would open up doors. So that type of thing, it isn't opened up like that. Anything else? Uh, Ustaz, how can I explain to you? When, when someone is, is asking, uh, can you, um, can you, can you me do dua to me together? Um, Congregational dua. Make du uh, when, when someone asks me, can you, can you me make dua right now together? Yeah, congregational dua. Congregational dua is not legislated in many places. There are some times where it is congregational dua in some areas. But generally after the prayer and all these types of uh, uh, incidents uh, where people do congregational dua, it is not sunnah, it is bid'ah. So, you do your own dua. Doing the Friday prayers near the end. I'm not sorry. In the in the khutbah. In the khutbah, so it's okay. In the khutbah, the imam is delivering the khutbah. It is allowed for the imam to be making some du'a at the end of the khutbah, and you often hear the people give the amin upon the du'a. That isn't considered a congregational du'a together. Okay. That is that is allowed. The scholars mentioned that in the khutbah. You know all the salihin, you know the awliya. They have to be all salihin in our days. You know, all Salihin, you know. Who Salihin? Who don't? Uh, we're talking about uh, the awliya. And some people, they follow them. Uh, they may not necessarily be awliya. They may not necessarily actually be awliya. And that is explained in Al-Usulu Sitta. In one of the principles there, it explains that the Mushrikun didn't even actually call upon awliya and Salihun. They believed them to be so, but they were not. And these days people believe them to be so, but they are from the heads of the Sufis who never even used to pray. Last one, go on. But even the idols were of the righteous. It's an angle you could mention as well. Allah, for example, the man who used to give the siwak or the food to the hajjaj and then they made an idol out of him. He was a righteous person and an idol was made from him. We'll conclude upon that for today then. Inshallah, resume next week, same time, 8 p.m. Inshallah.